Hey guys, hope all is well. Today, we will be doing our second podcast with Coach Brammer from USF Women's Basketball. So, Coach Brammer, let's talk about some background about you. Yeah, how you doing, Lee? Thanks for having me on this morning, man. Um, like you said, Anthony Brammer, I'm the video coordinator here at the University of South Florida with the women's basketball program. Um, you know, I kind of have a long, windy road to, you know, this point in my career. Um, I'm in my mid-30s. Um, so things kind of started for me back when I was in high school. Um, you know, obviously everybody thinks, you know, back when they're little that they're a pretty good basketball player. And, you know, as, as did I. Um, but, you know, my sophomore year in high school, man, uh, I ended up blowing out uh, one of my knees, you know, during tryouts. And then the next year, kind of getting ready for the season. Um, I blew out my other knee. So that kind of ended my uh, my playing career pretty quickly. So at that point, you know, when those type of things happen, um, obviously, you know, all your friends are still, you know, on the team. Uh, you still love the game tremendously at that point. So, you know, I still wanted to be around all that stuff back then. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, I just decided, hey, man, um, you know, I want to be around my friends and be around the game. So I'm going to go ahead and just be a water boy. And at that time, you know, this was back in, you know, I was in high school from 2000 to 2004. Um, at that time, you know, the movie Waterboy was still pretty popular. Um, so I just decided, you know, hey, man, I want to be around it all still. Um, but it kind of turned into much more than that. Um, you know, my high school basketball coach at that time allowed me to get heavily involved in the program. Um, you know, he allowed me to do things during practice, do a lot of drill work. Um, be involved with those things. And then, you know, in the summer times, he would allow me to, uh, you know, coach the summer league team, things like that. So, you know, the summer between my junior and senior year, he had kind of, you know, he was doing some laundry. I was there with him because I was committed to, you know, doing things for the team. But, you know, he, we were talking, and he was just like, hey, man, you know, you can go to college and get, you know, get a scholarship and do this, you know, while you're in college, learn the game, et cetera. And, you know, at that point, that kind of clicked for me. I never really, you know, necessarily thought about that. Um, but at that point, that got me thinking about things. Um, so in 2004, my freshman year in college, I decided to go to Old Dominion University, which is in Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Um, it was about 30, 40 minutes down the road from where I lived. Um, so I decided to go there. And my thinking in that was, you know, hey, I'll go to Old Dominion. It's a little bit of a smaller school, um, but I'll go there and, you know, maybe I'll be able to get my hands on more things um, just because, you know, there's not as many resources if I go to a bigger school. Um, so at that point, you know, from the day I stepped on campus, you know, first thing I did was I went to the basketball office, you know, inquiring about helping them out and doing anything I could do. So I became a manager my freshman year at Old Dominion. Um, we had a head manager that was a really good guy. Um, you know, during for two years, I was an undergrad manager because um, he was a junior and a senior. But during that time, I built relationships with the assistants, you know, picked their brains on, you know, different things, watched film with them, stuff like that. And then my junior year, um, I became the head manager at Old Dominion. And at that point, that's kind of when I started to get really serious about things, you know, serious. Obviously, you know, as you get older and, you know, you raise through college, you know, you start to get a little bit more serious about, hey, what am I going to do for my future? 
Um, and at that point, I did that. You know, one of the most important things I did as a junior was I sat down with my head coach. Um, you know, we talked and I kind of told him, hey, man, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to coach basketball. And he, you know, looked at me and he was kind of like, I never knew that, man. I, I had no clue that you wanted to coach the game. I kind of thought that you were just around. You just like being around the team. You just like being here. So, you know, in doing that, that kind of opened up, you know, a lot of different opportunities for me. Because at that point, he started to give me a, a lot more responsibilities, you know, started to trust me with a lot more things, allowed me to start coming into meetings. Um, and just kind of he started grooming me to, you know, potentially work in this business. So um, the other thing I started doing when I was, you know, a junior, senior, is in the summer times, I would go to, uh, you know, this really big camp um, called Hoop Group Elite. Um, I would go up there during the summer. Uh, I was at the college in New Jersey and worked for, you know, a month, two months with those people. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of great people that worked that camp. Um, you know, it used to be a really big recruiting um, deal in January and July. So, you know, I worked with a bunch of other managers as a runner um, and, and build relationships with them. So, you know, flash forward to my senior year, you know, I'm kind of like everybody else who's coming up in this business as a manager, you know, what's my next step? What am I going to do, you know, to potentially get a job? And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, stay on at Old Dominion, you know, Blaine Taylor, who was the head coach there at that time, kind of created a position for me to be a GA. You know, we had never had a GA at Old Dominion before. Um, but because of all the things that I had got my hands on and was able to do, he created a position for me um, as a GA, and I stayed there for two more years. So I was at Old Dominion for six years total. Um, each of the six years that I was there, man, we won 20 games. So, um, you know, I wanted to stay around the success as long as possible and uh, learn as much as possible from those guys because it was a successful program. So ended up staying there. Um, during my GA ship, obviously, you know, got more responsibilities, continued that and just kept working, kind of decided to switch things up a little bit um, and decided to start working for an AAU team in the summertime instead of going up to Hoop Group and working the camps. Um, I, I worked for Boo Williams Summer League. And for those two summers, it was phenomenal. I don't know if managers nowadays can really do that because of rules. Um, but it was phenomenal because, I mean, on that team, we had a bunch of guys that went to the NBA. I mean, we had Kendall Marshall, James McAdoo, um, Andre Dawkins, Troy Williams, just a bunch of guys. And we were and at that time, you know, we were playing against guys like Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. Um, you know, the list can go on. Uh, but, you know, I started, you know, to be connected with, you know, those guys. And it kind of helped me with relationships as far as recruiting. So flash forward to my second year as a GA, um, at that point, you know, one of the assistants was on the road at a at an AAU event in Orlando. And, you know, he was sitting next to an assistant from the University of South Florida. And, you know, he they had gotten to talking and he just, hey, man, you know, we got this GA that just graduated. You know, he grinds, he works hard. You know, he, he goes out and does other things than just within our program, 
you know, and they happened to have a video coordinator spot open. So I got to interview for the spot, you know, flew down and, you know, driving back to the airport after my interview, you know, head coach Stan Heath calls me and, you know, offers me the job. So that's 2010. I come down to Tampa in 2010 um, to work for the men's program as the video coordinator. I was here for four years. Um, at that time, we were in the Big East and then we trans transitioned into uh, the American Conference. But obviously, at that point in time, you know, you come in and you're in the Big East. You know, you think you're, you're going somewhere. You think you're doing things. Um, so, you know, the first year I came in, second year, we had the best year in school history. Uh, we win the most games. We go to the NCAA tournament. We win two games in the NCAA tournament. You know, we're flying high. The next year, we recruited ESPN top 20 recruiting class. And then just to kind of show you how quick this business can turn, you know, my fourth year, the year after an ESPN top 20 recruiting class, uh, we end up getting fired at that point. Um, one of my philosophies back when I was on the men's side and just kind of at that point in my life was, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to grind for my staff. I'm going to work as hard as possible. And I kind of neglected, you know, relationships and I kind of neglected to um you know network a little bit not a ton but and not out of you know necessarily you know being the being somebody who's not trying to talk to people it's just hey man you know I'm gonna put the blinders on and I'm gonna work hard and you know things will take care of themselves well you know when you get fired everybody's kind of looking for, you know, a job themselves, trying to take care of their families. And that's rightfully so. Um, but, you know, at that point in time, this was 2014, I ended up not necessarily really finding anything at that point. Um, there were some opportunities at different levels that maybe I could have got involved in, but I kind of decided to steer away from them at that time. And I ended up getting out of the business altogether. Um, you know, for different reasons at that point in time, you know, during the, the last season I was at USF, it was a little bit of a tough season. Um, I, I had started playing a lot of poker at that point in time, and I was actually making more money playing poker than I was coaching college basketball. Um, but, you know, here or there, you know, I ended up going to the World Series of Poker the summer after, and I ended up losing all my money, and I had to come back and get a real job. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about that. Um, but, you know, I was out of the game for about five years. Um, in that time period, I coached high school basketball with a friend. Um, I got involved coaching uh, a, a TBT, the basketball tournament team. Um, it's a big tournament that's on ESPN in the summer. Um, they get like a $2 million prize pool. But I had ended up coaching in that, um, you know, a bunch of the alumni from the 2012 team on the men's side at USF had decided to put together a team. And you know, they came to me to coach the team. So, you know, we put that together and that kind of brought a lot of attention. Um, you know, we ended up going to the Sweet 16 of that tournament, ended up losing to the eventual champ. But at that time, you know, I had gotten some of the old donors um, from when I was on the men's side involved. And it kind of just brought my name back up in people's minds at USF. Um, we, ha we held a big, you know, training camp for a week long uh, here at USF. So it was just something that, you know, you know, reminded people of who I was at that point. We hit a buzzer beater shot um, in one of the games and all the games were on ESPN. 
So, you know, USF Twitter at that time was like, oh, this might be the best team in USF history, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, but, you know, that was a great thing. And then I ended up the next summer coaching with um, Old Dominion's alumni team. You know, just I was doing these things to kind of scratch an itch because, you know, at that time I was working, you know, a regular job, you know, out in the business world. Um, flash forward to 2019, um, that summer I get a random phone call out, out of nowhere from Jose Fernandez, who's the women's head coach here at South Florida. His video guy had just moved on, um, took an assistant job, moved up at another school. Um, and he's just like, hey, man, you know, I know you work really hard. You grinded when you're on the men's side when you were here. Why aren't you in the business anymore? And, you know, at that point in time, you know, I had really started to get that itch again. I was thinking about taking a prep school, or, you know, maybe going to help out at a prep school or a high school. Um, and he, the call really came at the right time. Um, you know, I was still in Tampa. And I, it just was a perfect opportunity to get back in the business. So, you know, we're here now. You know, this is my second year at South Florida with the women's program. And, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find a better place to be, man. I feel like I belong here. So, you know, in a, in a nutshell, that's how I got to where I'm at at this point in time, man. That's awesome. And that's such a great story, like how you, USF, like reached out to you like after all these years like after after what happened in 2014 like that's just you record how they were able to keep how they were able to remember you again and ask you for the job that's amazing so let's talk about yeah, this and, and real quick I mean one of the things because I always try to teach people you know different things about my story but one of the the major points that I always try to make to people and especially people that are trying to get into this business um, you never know who's watching the work you do, man. You never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. Um, you know, at that time I was working for the men, you know, never in a million years did I think that, you know, I'd be working on the women's side or that I'd be working for Jose Fernandez. Um, but it, because I had never done anything for him. I, it's not like when I was on the men's side that I did work for the women. Um, but obviously, you know, we're in the same building, you have conversations with people, you build relationships with people. And, you know, I had built a relationship with their head coach. I mean, so you never know where your next opportunity is going to come, man. Um, that, that's, that's one thing that's highly important. Yeah, for sure. So let's just talk about like, each of your experiences. So like, Back at Old Dominion, like what did you learn? Like what did you learn from there as a manager and like being a grad assistant there? Oh, uh, I mean, so I was there for six years. So obviously I got to do a lot of things, but just at that point in time, I had really got to see everything that went into a basketball program and then successful basketball program at that. Cause you know, like I said, we had won 20 games each of the six years of that that I was there. And to be honest, I probably got spoiled a little bit by that because, you know, every season's, <laughs> you know, was a successful one there. Um, but, you know, just seeing everything that goes into a basketball program and being at a program that's smaller like that, like I said, I got to get my hands on a lot more. So, you know, I was heavily involved in things like obviously camp, but also, you know, those guys really wanted me to see everything. So I got involved in, 
grassroots things like working with donors. We would have a huge, you know, golf tournament every fall. You know, I got involved in that. Um, you know, obviously I was ingrained in recruiting and sending out recruit mail and stuff like that. Um, but just really seeing everything that goes into this, man, because it's not a lot of people think, you know, hey, they roll the ball out there, they practice and they roll the ball out there and they play the game. Well, that's not the case, man. This is, a, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, so, you know, that that was really the big thing. And then also. You know, coming up as a manager um, at Old Dominion, I had always had a thought that, you know, hey, it's not my place to speak. You know, these guys have been around this a lot longer than me. I didn't play the game at this level. So, you know, it's not my place to speak. Well, once they had, you know, known that I wanted to coach and, you know, I had been in the program for a few years. Blaine Taylor had really, you know, forced me to start talking and forced me to, you know, come out of that shell a little bit you know he wanted me to I remember it like it was yesterday I mean we had a a, a meeting a coaches meeting and you know I would always sit kind of you know sit there and not say anything but you know he turned to me he's like hey what's your thought and, you know I was just kind of like yeah you know yeah I agree with everybody and you know at that point he stopped the meeting he was just like hey man you know, you're in here for a reason. You've been here for, you know, three or four years. You know, you you've seen just as much as us. So don't feel like you can't talk because, you know, you're in here for a reason. I want you to speak. You know, you don't need to just be a sponge and sit there. I need your your input also. So that was another big thing, man, is just coming out of my shell and, you know, doing things like that. And there would be times and timeouts or, you know, coaches meetings where I would think something in my head and I wouldn't say it because I was nervous to say it but then two minutes later somebody else would say it and then obviously I'm sitting there like dang I should have said that um so you know just the experience was was huge man yeah and like also like now fast like fast forward like a few years later like to you to USF like when you were at the men's like what have you learned from there too? And like, how did the, were you able to apply that to like your job now as a video coordinator on the women's side for that program? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just as you, you know, experience more things and you're there longer and you're doing things, you kind of refine the process of, you know, what you're doing. So when I was at Old Dominion, man, <laughs> when I first got there, you know, VHS, we were still using VHS tapes. So, you know, we were splicing VHSs, you know, obviously, you know, as the time, you know, went through, you know, we transitioned to DVDs, but then, you know, came the digital age when I got to South Florida. So, you know, it just, it's a constant refining of the process and the way you do things. So, you know, at Old Dominion, I was kind of the de facto video guy. Um, so I had started to, you know, kind of build, you know, the way that I, I watch film and stuff like that. But when I got to South Florida as the video guy, obviously now I'm with different people. They do things different ways. Um, so I had to kind of adapt to that and learn that and learn the way that they did things. As a video guy, my my philosophy has always been, hey, man, you know, I'm going to make the assistant, the assistant coaches jobs easier. So I'm going to do whatever they need. So when I was on the men's side here at South Florida, I was always, you know, 
each coach handles a scout, but for me, you know, I'm going to adapt to the way that they do their scout for each person and, you know, cater to what they need and learn their process so that I can, you know, refine my processes. So there was that. And then obviously, um, you know, just building, you know, your knowledge, seeing the things that you see, you know, that was a time that I grew a lot as far as, you know, my knowledge of the game and what I was seeing. Obviously, I grew a lot from Old Dominion. Um, but, you know, South Florida, when I was on the men's side, you know, we had a couple up and down seasons. So obviously you gain experience from that um, and, you, you know, you kind of learn things. So that th those were the kind of things that I would say um, when I was on the men's side. Yeah, those experiences are awesome. And like coming out of your show, like that was like very cool how the how the coach like wanted to wanted you to speak more. Like for me personally, like, I'm more like if I have some something in my mind, I'm gonna say it. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. also making sure that's not like bad at all. Unless if the yeah. coach wants that criticism of like how a player's doing and how the team's doing. So that's just that for me too. But, but to move on the podcast, so like what things have you learned about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic? Oh man, uh, a ton of things, man. So obviously, you know, during COVID was kind of the, the time period where everybody was, uh, you know, doing, you know, Zooms and things like that. So it was really a time to kind of just kind of hit the pause button and kind of start learning different things or seeing how other people did things. Um, because it was like everybody was doing Zooms this summer, just trying to learn and trying to grow. Um, so, you know, getting to, you know, look at different offenses, defenses, you know, meet people and learn things from other people that you wouldn't normally, you know, learn from or be in that circle. Um, so that's kind of what COVID, you know, was for me at that point in time. Yeah, like when the Grow the Game group chat together and like what things have you learned from Grow the Game and also rising coaches as well? Oh, oh man, just – so we'll start with grow the game. So, you know, obviously grow the game. I mean, me having been in that position in the past, you know, being around, you know, guys that are in guys and girls that are in grow the game has been phenomenal. I mean, it seems like when I was a manager, there weren't things like that around. Um, and I've said this before to the, to the, to the people in grow the game. I mean, you should be building, relationships with your peers because for me you know I look back to when I was a manager and I mean just in my conference alone you know there's guys like uh, Lucas McKay who was a manager at UNC Wilmington well he's an assistant coach at the University of Missouri Kansas City now James Kane he was a GA at VCU he's an assistant coach at Iowa State um you know, a guy like Will Wade, you know, he was at Clemson and then at VCU. Well, he's the head coach at LSU now. So, I mean, to build a network within your peers is phenomenal. I mean, I think it's huge. And, you know, to talk basketball um, has been huge because with Grow the Game, you know, you'd have after hours and everybody would talk hoops. 
I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're you're at. You know, just talking hoops with anybody, you learn things. So, you know, Grow the Game has been huge. And then, obviously, rising coaches. I mean, I was, you know, when I was on the men's side, rising coaches was just kind of starting at that point in time. And one of the co-founders, Andy Farrell, um, we were in the same conference. Andy was at DePaul at the time, and I was here at South Florida. So we had built a relationship that way. Um, but at that point, like I said, you know, I, my mindset wasn't necessarily towards, um, you know, networking a whole lot. So, you know, I would go to events at the Final Four and stuff like that, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, go out of my way to get involved with networking with people. But, you know, having been fired, having that experience, I can tell you networking is definitely important. Um, just for support alone, just to have people, you know, who can support you in that time and be somebody that, you know, you could talk to and bounce things off of, if anything, not necessarily just, you know, looking for jobs and things like that. Um, so rising coaches has been huge in that because obviously, you know, I got a network of people that I consider friends just from, you know, talking to every day on Zooms this summer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I've like learned a lot from like grow the game and also rising coaches to like being on the zooms. Like it was awesome. Like doing that, like this summer since there's really not that much to do due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was almost like doing these zooms was almost like a job, man. Cause there was so much content out there, you know, during that point in time, you know, different, different things, different coaches talking about different things. And really you could have easily spent eight hours a day on zoom just listening to different things. Yeah, for sure. So to move on to more of your team, like what's like the impact on not having UConn in your conference? Like I know you guys played UConn last year, one or two times or more than that. Like what's the impact of not having them in your conference? I'm like, how is it beneficial for you guys or not? Oh, uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, UConn was in the – so – South Florida was in the Big East before the American. And then when all the football schools broke off, you know, all the all the football schools went into the American Conference. So we've been with UConn for a long time, um, you know, even before the American. But, you know, obviously having, you know, a top five team in the nation just raises the profile of the conference. You know, every time you play them, you know, your RPI or your net ranking rises because you're playing one of the top teams in the nation. Um, my head coach's philosophy is that we're always going to play the best teams. So for us, you know, when we play non-conference, we always play the best teams either way. But, you know, just to have, you know, a team like UConn to play two or three times a year, because to be honest with you, even before I got here, this this program has been very successful and they had ended up, you know, finishing second place in the conference four or five times before I had gotten here. So they've been in multiple battles with UConn. So, you know, you'd play them twice a year in the conference home and away, and then you play them in the conference championship every year. That's something that they did. So um, last year, I mean, <laughs> at halftime, we were beating UConn um, at home. So, you know, just having that experience of playing them. But, you know, like I said, my head coach, we always try to play the best people that we can in non-conference because obviously if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Um, so that's one of the things that we had taken. Um, 
you know, having them not be in the conference hurts a little bit, but it's an opportunity for us to now step into that spot. And we really feel like that, you know, there's no reason why, you know, being in Tampa, having the program we have, why we can't be UConn now at this point in our conference. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And like talking about those hard and non-conference games, let's talk about Baylor and Mississippi State. Like let's let's talk about how those games were for you since I know Baylor, you guys were in a very close game with, and then Mississippi State, you guys won. So let's just yeah. talk about that for a bit. Yeah, man. And, you know, the funny thing is those games were within a four or five day span. So, you know, we played Baylor first and then a day or two later, we played Mississippi State. I think it was two days later, but, um, you know, those games were in the same week, you know, in a non-COVID year. So we had played home and aways with those teams. So last year we played at Baylor. We had a, a really close game with them. You know, going into those games, we felt very confident because, you know, as I was saying, we always schedule the best teams. Um, you know, we had a lot of freshmen last year, so obviously they had more experience, you know, as returners this year. Um, so we felt really good going into these games um, with Baylor and Mississippi State. Um, you know, the first game was Baylor. That was a four, six-point game. Um, it was a hard-fought game back and forth. Um you know, but they ended up pulling, uh, holding on. Um, and then the Mississippi State game, I mean, we felt, you know, just as confident as we did about the Baylor game. Um, we went in there, ended up winning in overtime against the number six team in the country. So, you know, that week we ended up playing at that time, the number four team in the country and the number six team in the country. And our mindset was, hey, man, you know, we have them at home. We're going to go go and beat them, you know. Um, you know, we were able to get get Mississippi State done. It was, you know, the highest ranked win in program history, um, in school history. Um, so, you know, we were we're on top of the world and we've kind of carried that momentum through and kept kept growing and kept things moving. So that's that those were really good times. But also, you know, if you think about it outside of a covid year, I mean, it would have been that much crazier because we would have packed the, we would have packed, you know, our arena um, and it would have been, you know, who knows at that point, you know, maybe we knock off both of those teams if there's fans in the stands. Yeah. Like it's pretty, like I was checking the box score. Like it was amazing. Like how you guys were able to be Mississippi state and like keep a close game at Baylor because Baylor and both those teams like have had such a store of like programs and like Baylor winning the championship like a few years ago and same with Mississippi state maybe wrong about that, but like, it's just amazing how like you guys used to be in the same conference at UConn. Like now you guys are taking that UConn type spot now being at the top of the conference and knocking off these teams. So now That's let's talk goal, about, man. yeah. So like now let's talk about like the path to being number 12 in the co- in the country this week. So we can talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So you know, we won those games and, you know, you keep building, you know, conference play. Obviously, there was an abbreviated non-conference this year because of COVID. We only played four games non-conference. Um, you know, we <laughs> this year was supposed to be a nice year. You know, we were supposed to go to Atlantis and play in the battle for the battle for Atlantis, the first inaugural women's battle for Atlantis. Um, so <laughs> we didn't get to do that. But um, 
So with the abbreviated non-conference schedule, you know, we jump right into conference play and have really just hit the ground running in conference play after, you know, non-conference. Um, you know, the girls have been phenomenal because they have experience from last year that they've built to this year. And, you know, we keep growing because in December, you know, at that point, you know, when conference play started, we had only played four non-conference games. So obviously you're still, you know, you're still getting things moving as far as the offense and the defense, you know, you're still getting people in the right spots. Timing of, of plays are still, you know, working their way out because you haven't played a lot of games. January came along. We really started, you know, hitting our stride at that point. Um, you know, there hasn't been a game, a lot of games where they've been real close in conference play because of the experience that we have. Um, so we were really hitting the ground running. And then, you know, middle of January, unfortunately, you know, things kind of got stopped because of COVID. You know, we had a couple people in the program get COVID and, you know, we were shut down. Uh, you know, we hadn't played a game in about a month. Um, the program got shut down so that we could kind of contain things for about two or three weeks. So we didn't even practice for two or three weeks. So, you know, we got things going, you know, about a week or two ago with practice, getting back in shape. We've played two games that we won. Um, you know, we played a really tough game a couple nights ago against Cincinnati that went into overtime. Um, you know, all the credit to them because they came in and they played hard. Um, but I feel like our experience helped us win that game and our, our, you know, headiness. So now, you know, the mindset is, hey, let's get things back on track. Let's get things rolling so that we can hit our stride at the right time in March. Yeah, like we'll talk about March in a few minutes. And yeah, so like let, let's actually talk about it now. So like you guys have a game to side against Tulane. Like what are the keys heading into the game? And then also as the second part of the question, like what is the goal for you guys to be able to stay in the top 25 the remainder of the season and being able to potentially make a deep run in March Madness? Yeah. So, you know, Tulane coming up this weekend, I mean, they've always been a team that's in the top half of the conference right now. I believe they're in third or fourth in the conference. Um, so they're one of the better teams. And I believe in net ranking, which is kind of the RPI for the women's side, um, net ranking, I want to say they're in the top 50, top 60, something like that. Um, so they're a good team. Um, you know, they like to get out and transition. They have a great coach who, you know, she's about to win, you know, in the future here, you know, 600 games. Um, so for us, you know, we got we to gotta run our stuff. We can't turn the ball over. Um, they like to press and do a couple different things here and there. So, you know, for us, got to just take care of the ball and execute, you know, on offense. And, you know, going into, you know, March, you know, obviously that's in two weeks, you know, conference tournaments coming up here quick. Um, obviously you take one game at a time. So we haven't thought too far ahead to March at this point in time. But, you know, the goal is, you know, keep winning these games, win a conference championship and, you know, take this program further, you know, because we've never been past the first weekend. So, you know, the goal is to, you know, win the games and, you know, get into the second weekend, third weekend, which we feel like we can. Uh, we have a lot of really good players here. So, you know, we're ready for that. Yeah, and like also like talking about future seasons, like for your program, like I heard your program will be in the battle for Atlantis next season since there wasn't a, there wasn't one this season. So talk about like 
wanting the talk about being in the battle for Atlantis like next year, like your reaction to that. So one of the unique things about this season, um, the NCAA is giving everybody a year back. So this season, you know, they're they're able to come back next year. So in theory, you know, we could have this exact same team next year. So, uh, you know, you think about that, this exact same team with another year of experience. I mean, <laughs> come on, that's 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 going to be awesome. And, you know, Battle of Atlantis is going to have some of the same teams. I mean, uh, South Carolina is supposed to be there, Oregon, Syracuse. So, you know, to have the opportunity, you know, non-conference, obviously you got to play the best to beat the best. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to be ready to go when that time comes because of, you know, potentially returning everybody. So it's, it's exciting to think about, but obviously our mind is on Saturday for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I wish you guys the best of luck for Saturday's game. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I really appreciate it a lot. And thank you guys for watching it too. And hope you guys have a great day. Definitely. Lee, appreciate you having me on, man. And, and definitely thank you to everybody else, man.